Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. When I've got a cart full of food, then there are several jobs that need to be done. So there needs to be the unloading of the cart, there needs to be the scanning of the goods, there needs to be the bagging of the goods and putting it back in the cart. Actually having a couple of people simultaneously working on that speeds things up. I'm always happy to give you advice on boats, mate, if you need to. And boats is one of like two areas where I would actually respect your advice. Um, and so I will. I'll call the you interesting out. question is, what's the second? Yeah, I'm not going to commit to that uh, online. Uh, not right now. Again, trying to explain that to somebody uh, just feels like that's too much for somebody to do. And I'd rather, and here I'm now getting to an important phrase, I'd rather be in control. So, Ryan, you know when you find a good source of information? Are you talking about me? No, no. I, I, I oh. was specifically oh. not talking about you. Let me be very clear about this oh. at the beginning. Maybe we can start <laughs> this recording over. No, I've, I found some really good information from a company called Attest. They do consumer research. And they've got a number of great reports that I've been reading. And we'll put some links in the show notes for people. You know what happens is you start reading things and you're thinking, wow, I didn't know that. Or, well, that's really interesting. There were two particular stats that I'll share in a minute that made me think this. But it made me think we haven't covered the whole area of self-service before. And why do people want self-service? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Make sense? Yeah. I mean, that's one of the major trends in retailing, certainly, but in, in all of business in the last you know, 20 years. So. Yeah, we're, no, absolutely. We're behind. We need to get on that. Yeah. So this came from their uh, attests U.S. Food and Beverage Report, uh, July 2021, and 72% of Gen Z prefer self-checkout options over cashiers in grocery stores. So 72% prefer going to a self-checkout of Gen Z preferred going to self-checkout than a cashier. And I thought, yeah, there's a difference between <laughs> me and a, and a Gen Z person. Whereas this is one of the opportunities when I, I am more identified with the younger audience. I'm, I'm 100% in that group. I always prefer- In the self-serve? Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Is this surprising to you, Colin? I don't like people. Is that not, <laughs> has that not come across previously? Is this news? <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. I shouldn't be. Why am I surprised? Why am I surprised? <laughs> We're going to have a healthy debate about this one, Colin. This we are. Great. We are. And let me give you another stat, which I thought was interesting. 68% of shoppers want uh, virtual try-on tools for clothes and makeup. That's interesting. Now, again... I don't know, uh, don't make you, but I've never, I've never used a virtual try-on tool. Have you? I have for glasses, and I, I was only sort of impressed with it, but it was also several years ago that I tried it, so I'm sure the technology has improved. A friend was telling me that um, Amazon, I assume they still have the service, but you could do a virtual tryout in your home where you could like augmented reality project 
kitchen appliances into your kitchen um, to kind of try them out there. So yeah, these tools are advancing and, and becoming more common. And I think they will. I mean, you know, if we go back to one of our most popular episodes recently, we talked about the metaverse, didn't we? Yeah. I think all of these areas are definitely growing. But I guess the key question for me, as always, is why? You know, what's the human thing behind it? The question I think that that's most interesting to me as we talk about self-service versus full service is this question about when do people want more or less human interaction. It's interesting, one of the stats that you you mentioned, Colin, kind of splits things along generational lines. And that suggests to me that part of this is just a change from how things were traditionally done. So we talk a lot about reference points in, in this podcast. And people who have been shopping for a while start to form reference points about what that interaction is supposed to be like, what it's supposed to happen. And if you're used to full-service checkouts, for example, um, and having an employee scan all of your your items, then anything that's different from that might produce some reactance. So if you now have to do it yourself, you might see that as like being extra work that you have to do. And so you might react negatively to that because your reference point is that somebody else was doing that for you. If you're a younger shopper, you might not have reference points that are as well ingrained. You might have different reference points. And so for you, you you might, if you're a younger shopper, you might evaluate that in a different way and have a more positive reaction to it. But it does seem to be a bit about just not wanting to talk to people. Yeah, that's a real thing. There are comedians who've done entire bits about how we don't use phones as phones anymore, how for younger generations, the idea of just calling somebody without texting them first to see if they're like open to a call is seen as hostile. Like that's, that's a creepy thing to do to just call somebody and the same to just like show up unannounced at somebody's house to like knock on the door. That used to be a cause for celebration that your friends just popped by for a visit. And now it's seen as an invasion as something that's real. So yeah, I think that we have, I think that technology has mediated a lot of our conversations to the point where it is, less common and for a lot of people less comfortable to speak to another human being relative to how it was just a few years ago. So let me go and give you some sort of examples because I was thinking about this obviously before the show. Yeah, yeah, let's hear it. And I was thinking about some examples of self-service. So you go into Publix and the grocery store and as per the stat, you know, there's the self-service checkout. Now, for me, I would go to one of those if I didn't have a whole trolley full of stuff, if I had five items. Sure. There's, you know, you go to McDonald's and they have ordering through screens. So I guess there's some of it about, which is about, it's faster. Yeah. It's going to take me less time to do this. And I guess there's that sort of balance and trade-off, isn't that, between, between speed and efficiency. So why would I not take up a full cart of groceries to uh, self-service? Well, I, you know, how am I going to even bloody put the stuff all on the, the little thing that they give you to uh, put it on? And is it going to be a pain in the neck and all the rest of it? So there's there's something about, obviously, self-service being about it's faster, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're going to obviously end with some advice and, and where we, people should take that. 
But to preview where I'll go with this, I think that's the most important question to ask as you're considering moves to self-service. Is the move to self-service going to make customers' lives easier? So when self-service is done right, there's an acknowledgement that interacting with other people can at times slow things down and create a burden. It can be sometimes, you know, cognitively taxing to communicate with other people and it can slow down the process. And so if you're, for instance, checking out just a few things at the grocery store, then being able to do that yourself means you might have to wait in line less, means you don't have to like engage in that kind of silly back and forth with the cashier. You can just get it out and on your way. But as you point out, that's not true of all grocery store checkout experiences. When I've got a cart full of food, then there are several jobs that need to be done. So there needs to be the unloading of the cart. There needs to be the scanning of the goods. There needs to be the bagging of the goods and putting it back in the cart. And that actually having a couple of people simultaneously working on that speeds things up and makes it easier. So if firms can acknowledge where things will be easier or worse, I have a very large family. I have a bunch of kids. Fast food app ordering is a godsend for me. Because the experience previously was that I would either go through the drive-thru or have to go into the store and I would have to have written down the various orders from all the different people in my family, some of whom want pickles and some of whom don't and some of whom need extra ketchup. And having to communicate all that information verbally was frankly kind of stressful and stressful for me and for that poor clerk. Whereas if I can do all that on the app... Even more stressful when you get back and you've added pickles to one of the kids that didn't (laughs) want pickles. I mean, that's how wars are started, is (laughs) pickles on a sandwich that they requested no pickles. Again, as firms are looking, we can contrast that, for example, with what some firms have tried to push in terms of voice technology, where like there was this big idea that people would start using their their voice devices. I'm trying not to use the names of them for anybody who's listening to this podcast out loud in their home, but their their voice technology devices to like order stuff. It's like, hey, device, order me a pizza. And that would be this amazing new technology that it could recognize that. And I've always been skeptical of that because that seems to be adding a burden, interacting to buy things purely verbally means now I need to listen to a bunch of descriptions back and they need to list off the options. Whereas if I just do that with a screen or even in person talking to a human being, that would be easier. And so that technology push towards a version of self-service is going to make things harder. Whereas other forms of self-service is going to make things easier and quicker. So let me build on a couple of those, those things then. Let's also be clear. Most organizations, the reason that they like self-service is because they can reduce their costs. Yes. yes. So it's not done invariably. It's not done to improve the customer experience. It's done to make them more efficient and save money. And I think you see that in the marketplace where there's all this push towards self-service and some of it helps and some of it hurts. and, And it's because just as you're saying, the aim is not to improve the customer experience. The aim is to reduce costs. Yeah. As I was thinking about it, and as you were talking about ordering your pizza, and and by the way, you know that you're going to get a pizza delivery shortly, don't you? (laughs) Because I've said it. Because you've said it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that pizza's going to have pickles on it. (laughs) 
Let Beyond Philosophy help you discover what your customers really want, not what they say they want, by uncovering the hidden drivers of value in your customer experience to create real ROI. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. As I was thinking about, again, about self-service, and I was thinking about why people do things, I think an- another reason why self-service or people choose self-service is because their needs are complex and there are sort of nuances within there. So let me give you an example of of that. I am um, in a place in Florida. I've joined a thing called the Freedom Boat Club. Mm-hmm. So basically it's it's like the subscription economy stuff where rather than an owner boat, you become a member of the club and then you can choose whichever type of boat you want whenever you want it, okay? And I've got the option of either phoning in and ordering a boat or going onto the app and doing self-service. Mm-hmm. And I always do self-service. Mm-hmm. Why? Because there are nuances around, well, what type of boat am I going to get from which location? What am I Am I going to go fishing? Am I going to, what am I doing? And therefore, I feel embarrassed talking to somebody going yeah but could you then look at this this type yeah. of scenario yeah. or could you look at that and could you go back and now look at that one and could you then look at that four hours later i've finally made a decision about which boat i want you know <laughs> and then or, you know what's available and everything else but the point i'm trying to make is my needs are complex it's like flying to be honest with you as you fly a lot and pre-pandemic i was flying a hell of a lot there are little things that you want that become really, really important, not just an aisle seat, but which type of row on the plane or what type of plane it's on. And again, trying to explain that to somebody uh, just feels like that's too much for somebody to do. And I'd rather, and here, here I'm now getting to an important phrase, I'd rather be in control yeah. of those things. I would rather have control of those things to be able to choose the thing that's right for me based upon these idiosyncrasies that I've personally have that somebody, I, I remember talking to a Delta representative once and and I said, I'm flying from, I think it was from London to States, whatever. And she said, uh, right, what seat do you want? And I said, I want an odd row number seat. And she said, that got you put on a list, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> This person's not safe to fly. Yeah. They have preferences for odd numbers over even. I was fortunate to be flying business at that on that occasion. Okay. And with the business seats on the plane, one seat, the way that they've got things structured so you can put your they can lay the beds flat, is that the seat changes position between oh, odd row and even row. Okay. On the odd row numbers, you get to sit next to the window. On the even row numbers, you don't. It's a little idiosyncrasy that I got. And the woman said to me, she said, uh, said, could you tell me why you've asked that, sir? Because, you know, I'm, and I explained to her, and she said, well, I, you know what? I didn't know that, and that's useful for me to know for the future. <laughs> um, but again, the, the point I'm trying to make here is, is it's self-service because the needs are complex. So again, if we're now thinking about you, the, the listener listening to this, going, well, how does this apply to me? How does this apply in my customer experience? Well, if your needs are, if there are needs are complex, I guess that actually goes two ways, doesn't it? 
Because if the needs are complex, it either means you definitely want to be talking to a human being because your needs are complex, or the system that you've got has to be designed to have that sort of flexibility or understanding of that. And guess what, mate? We're into segmentation again, aren't we? And I think the missing component there is expertise. So in in both of the examples that you gave, the boat example and um, purchasing your, your airline tickets, you were expert in those. So you, you had very strong opinions about, about the boat that you want and knew a lot of nuances about it. Um, you'd obviously flown a lot. You knew more about the planes than the booking agents did. But you could imagine a different scenario. So I know hardly anything about boats at all. So if I were a member of that club and I had a need like, oh, we're going to have family over. So I need a boat that's big enough for six people and we want to do something. I might find it tragically intimidating to have to look through that app and try to figure out, well, what are these things mean? And so for me, it might be more empowering to talk to a human agent that was more expert than I was. I'm always happy to give you advice on boats, mate, if you need to. And boats is one of like two areas where I would actually respect your advice. Um, and so I will. I'll call <laughs> the you interesting out. question is, what's the second? Yeah, I'm not going to commit to that uh, <laughs> online. Uh, not right now. Um, but no, I, and I think that it gets back to this point that you raised, which is very important, which is that people do want to feel like they're in control. Where we came around to at the, at the end was what makes people feel more control will vary by segment. And it depends in part on how expert they are. Experts will find self-service to be very empowering in general, whereas non-experts will may find it worse, may find it even more intimidating. As firms are trying to figure out how they're going to incorporate self-service, the firms that have just eliminated all checkout stands and made everything self-service, probably not a great move because I think that there will be opportunities where you're now forcing a less convenient option on people who otherwise would have used something that would serve them better. But firms that refuse to put in any self-checkouts, also probably not the best. Yeah, that makes sense. Talk to me about why do social animals, i.e. us, not want to talk to people? Oh gosh, it's so interesting, isn't it? So I think that, so from an evolutionary psychology perspective, there's a great evolutionary psych book that we've mentioned on the podcast before, if you're interested in this topic, uh, called The Rational Animal, came out a few years ago. The approach that these psychologists take is that there are certain fundamental human needs, but then those needs kind of percolate through all these layers of culture and socialization and technology so the fundamental needs are there and they're like kind of common across all humans but how they manifest ultimately might be different and i would argue that that this need to be social to connect with other human beings still there but it does seem like it has changed a lot and so whereas you know my kids will see texting as being kind of a valid way of communicating with other humans in a way that I don't. I, I consider texting to be a lesser form of communication. I, I may just be behind the curve on this. And so they're they're still being social, but they're they're manifesting that in a different way than I did when I was growing up, even than I do currently with some of my friends. And so I think that that we're still social, but does that mean that we want to have small talk with a sales clerk? <sighs> 
For, for some people, yes. But for other people, no. I So in the U.S., there's a weird thing where gas stations are self-service almost everywhere. But in, and I may be behind the, the times on this, but I think in two states, maybe New Jersey and Oregon, it was, at least until recently, still the law that you could not pump your own gas in those states. Yeah. That somebody had to come out and do it for you. And that was just the law. You were not allowed to do it. For people who lived in those states, a lot of them loved it and they resisted attempts to change those laws because they enjoyed that service and that interaction. And for people who are not used to that, so I, I traveled once and traveled into one of those states and it was creepy and weird and I did not appreciate that social interaction forced on me in a context where I was used to not having to do that and having to answer questions about my gasoline preferences in public. That felt very judgy to me. So yeah, I think that we we do still want socialization. We just want it in the way that feels comfortable and right to us. And that changes over time. Building on that, the times where I don't want to talk to somebody and I was trying to think to myself, why is it I don't want to talk to someone? I'm now talking about when I'm in a customer experience again. Mm-hmm. But and so for instance, buying a car. Yeah. I hate the car buying process because yeah, of the, the way you just get treated. So I'd love to do self-service on buying a car. And, and there are firms that do that. So Carvana, I hope I'm not misconstruing their business model. I haven't actually purchased through them, but I think Carvana is one service where you can do the entire process online and never interact with another human. And the other one is when I'm embarrassed by something, that I'm embarrassed that I don't know something. And we've talked about speed. So mm-hmm. when would I do it? I would do it like everybody else would in terms of going onto YouTube or whatever else, because I think that if I'm going to go onto a call center and, and wait there for four hours, then that's going to be a problem. So, yeah, I think the whole area of self-service is, is absolutely fascinating. And, and if we go back, it's about being faster. It's about being more convenient. It's about whether you actually enjoy doing it. So you think of shopping online that you don't want to talk to somebody. It's about control, all those areas. What would be some advice? Let's go to our usual bit of, so what? What advice would you give somebody uh, looking to move in into this self-service area? I mean, the big advice is self-service is usually an opportunity for firms to cut costs, which is great. But self-service can also be an opportunity to improve the customer experience. So look for those opportunities. Am I serving a segment that would be open to this? Am I serving a segment that is largely expert, that knows what they want and can therefore get through it without any problems? Am I serving segments where like kind of the common problems or hiccups are fairly predictable and easy to articulate. In that case, things like an AI chatbot can be like a quasi self-service instrument as opposed to something where you have to interact with another human being to get your answer. That can improve the customer experience over interacting with a human if it is more efficient and easier to use and less stressful. So when implementing self-service in all of its various forms, Are you doing it in such a way that it will improve the customer's overall experience by making things faster and less stressful and easier to navigate? Or are you just imposing self-service in a way that will 
decrease the customer experience because it saves the company money. That I suggest is not a great long-term strategy. This is a real opportunity. There's now more diverse ways to interact with customers and to provide customers with an experience. And that provides opportunity for meeting people where they are. And so I encourage firms to do that. And building on that, I think that there's a, a whole area of training. Don't assume that you can move from or move into self-service without training customers on how to do it. And let me give you one quick story that illustrates that. Back in the day, when you used to go on flights, you obviously used to get in line and go to a check-in desk and go up and book your seat and everything else. Uh, And I always remember when the self-service terminals came out, standing in line, and, and as you know, I love technology, so it wasn't that I was technology averse. I was in the, this line, and the, one of the people were combing the queue from the airline, and she said, why don't you come over here so we can check you in on this terminal? And So I did, and clicked a few buttons, checked in. The point I'm trying to make is, and obviously I've never looked back since, and obviously everything's done on your phone now, but the point I'm trying to make is they'd invested in converting people to that new self-service tool. They hadn't just gone, was it Field of Dreams? Build it and they will come. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. They'd gone, no, we actually need to get somebody there to take customers out and to train them on how to do things, et cetera, et cetera. So if you are moving to that self-service environment, and self-service is good in certain circumstances, that, I guess, therefore implies you need to understand the circumstances and you need to invest in training your customers on on how to move to that environment. I'm glad you raised that as a point because the nobody who used the kiosks said, oh gosh, yeah, no, no, I definitely prefer standing in line longer to talk to a representative to, to get my ticket. But people didn't naturally, as you said, people didn't naturally make the move because it was different and because it was new. And so, yeah, this transition time is something that firms definitely need to to pay some attention to. So I'm glad you raised that. Good. So we hope that's been of use to you today. If you could do us one favor, that would be really great. And that is if you could go on to wherever you're listening to your this podcast from and do a review on, on the show. That really helps Ryan and I. It's always good to hear how we're doing. That gets us out to more people as well. So thanks very much. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Cheers. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.